0: i'm nick law and you're listening to the hop forward podcast getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business hop forward is a weekly podcast dedicated to the craft beer industry featuring interviews discussions and stories from the whole brewing supply chain from grain to glass so grab yourself a glass pour yourself a beer and get ready to hop forward in the brewing and beer business Hello, beer buddies, and welcome to another sesh on the Hot 4 podcast. Uh, Back in 2006, I became an estate agent for my sins. And while out doing a house viewing at a plush area in Sheffield called Nether Edge, I was showing some prospective buyers around a large period property that was bright and airy by virtue of the large bay windows. You see, you see, I've still got the lingo down to a T. And uh, this property had an annex to the rear and running between the outbuilding and the house was a hop vine with plump green hops waiting to be picked. So I did. When I got back into the Mini Cooper, the estate agent's car of choice, I stared at my hop collection with wide eyed wonder. And I said to myself, oh, I could make beer with this. I don't know how, but I could make beer with this. When I got back to the office, I retold the story several times to anyone who would listen. My manager even found the hops in the Mini when he took the car for evaluation and passed comment on my infatuation with beer, which, to be fair, was only rivaled by his obsession with the music of Johnny Cash. Needless to say, I moved on from the company in 2009 and because they knew that I love beer as a leaving present, I was presented with six bottles of real ale from a relatively local microbrewery. Names such as the Gob and Coat Coit that's Pulled" and Coal Oil were written in a cartoon font that would be better placed on the cover of the Beano or the Dandy. And it popped out against this metallic sheen foil of this label with dark brooding blues, tight red and dazzling gold. It was so incredibly shiny. At the time, many real ales looked like this. British beers often exhibited puns or alliterations for their names and sported either a classic traditional look or were anything from mildly crass to outrageously sexist. And then something happened seemingly overnight. Beers like Thornbridge's Jaipur and Magic Rock's Highwire started appearing and suddenly it seemed like everything changed. Not only were these beers infused with American hops, with bitterness and hop flavours never tasted before in British beers, but like their American counterparts, they looked the part too. Beverages such as Steam beer... Goose Island IPA and Sierra Nevada Pale Ale managed to capture a timeless quality and at the same time were a blend of modern and traditional, while Flying Dog acted almost as a precursor to a notable brand like Beaver Town by use of their iconic artwork from Ralph Stedman, most famously known for his illustration work for gonzo journalist Hunter S. Thompson, author of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. These days, beer branding and artwork is pretty much par for course and part of the packaging experience as album artworks were for vinyl records back in the day of physical music releases. It's no longer enough for a brewery to merely create good beer, although it could be argued that a brewery like The Colonel, based on the Bermondsey Beer Mile in London, booked the trend. However, for most of us mere mortals, good design and good beer go hand in hand. In very much the same way that brewers have their own style of brewing and way of doing things, the same is said of designers. And bringing those two elements together in perfect harmony, branding and beer, you will create a recipe for success. There is much to be said about this subject and much to be reflected on. How has beer branding changed over time? How does a designer approach a branding project or take an existing logo and develop the theme? What does a brewer need to do to get their product to stand out on a shelf or a bar when there are more breweries and brands and great labels to catch the eye than ever before? And what even is branding? Is it just the design on a can or flashy logo or is it more than that? These are some of the questions that me and my guest, Marcus Ohanishin, a fellow designer within the craft beer space, discuss in this week's episode. Despite myself and Marcus having never chatted before, our backgrounds are uncannily similar Both musical, taking our design skills and using them to promote our bands and then turning to the beer sector by working for a brewery. In my case, the Sheffield Brewery Company, where I was drafted in to develop their branding before becoming the head brewer and brewery manager. And Marcus, working closely with R Brewing Company in Massachusetts as part of the extended family. Both of us have gone on to take on more breweries and projects within our respective companies, mine being Hot Forward and Marcus's company, Perfect Evolution, working with a variety of clients across the beer spectrum. As you can probably tell from our conversation, we could talk about this for hours on end. So make sure you grab a beer. And if you're really into design, I would highly recommend possibly listening to this with a copy of Pete Brown's book called Beer by Design, The Art of Good Beer Branding, published by Camera Books. Now, I've been wanting to talk about this book for ages and I've been waiting for the perfect episode and alas, that time is now. Uh, Pete has done a fantastic job of collating designs from a wide variety of brewers from across the world and offers excellent insights into how branding has developed since the first trademark logo, which was Bass Ale on the 1st of January 1876, right through to showcasing the modern slender designs we both know and love today. So, make sure you bag yourself a copy of that from Camera's bookshop. Uh, if you just Google Camera and you'll find it. And also check out uh, Marcus's work for Perfect Evolution Designs, which is uh, perfectevolution.xyz. That's perfectevolution.xyz. And check out the brewery we discussed today, which is timbyardbrewing.com. That's timbyardbrewing.com. And most of all, I hope you learned something from this week's episode that you can implement within your own beer business to help you stand out and make your beer look as good as it tastes. Today on the Hot 4 Podcast, I'm joined by Marcus O'Hanishin from Perfect Evolution. Hello. Hey, Nick. How are you? I'm, after several attempts of trying to pronounce your <laughs> name and your business name, I'm, I'm good. I've not even opened my beer yet. so There
1: you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're all good now.
0: Yeah. So, um, mate, why thanks for being on the show. Um, my pleasure. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what Perfect Evolution
2: is? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I live here in central Massachusetts in the States. Uh, perfect evolution is my, uh, design moniker name that I go under. Um, and I've, uh, I kind of got into design from an early age. Um, I'm a drummer myself, so I'm very musical. Yeah. I'm a drummer as well. (laughs) Oh, no way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So I've been playing drums since I was seven years old and, and I'm 30 something now. I always have to think about how old I am. Um, but it, that's what got me into design in the first place. Was I was playing in bands in my teenage years, um, and of course, you know, you always need a, a logo and some stickers and flyers for your shows. And I was always that guy that got pointed to be the uh, the design business guy. So yep. I was building our website in Angel Fire back in the Uh-oh. day. Yeah, <laughs> <And> <laughs> I remember it well. <laughs> yep, Angel Fire, GeoCities, Tripod, all those old school website builders, yeah, the Dancing um, Baby
0: GIF, and all that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So those are fun days. Uh, And that's kind of what got me into designing a, uh, you know, logo, quote unquote, which is just me typing the name out in a font that looked cool, you know. Um, But that's kind of what, you know, piqued my curiosity into the design world. Um, So eventually I started building websites and logos for other uh, friends that were in bands and then their parents' businesses. And it kind of just spiraled into, oh, maybe I can make some money. Maybe I can build a freelance business here. Um, And that kind of led me into... Um, going to college for graphic design here in Massachusetts. Um, and while I was in college in between classes, I was taking on freelance clients. So I was kind of simultaneously building a little bit of a side business while I was in college still. Um, and that kind of led me into not just bands and entertainment world, but also small business. Mm. So, you know, landscaping companies or an accounting firm or whoever needed anything. I was just the guy because I just needed to build a portfolio at that point. And, uh, that eventually led me to, you know, fast forward to maybe 10 years, 10, 15 years, fast forward to now, um, I, you know, have an extensive or more, more of a portfolio to show for lots of design projects and clients now. And perfect evolution, uh, does a lot of design work for small businesses in general, but one of the niches that we're honing in on is the craft beer world. Uh, and I come, uh, from a, uh, a craft beer world from um, a brewery sense, as well as being a designer. So um, I'm a design and marketing manager at Timberyard Brewing here in central Massachusetts. Uh, it's my in-laws brewery that I kind of helped to build with them. So I kind of have the ins of the knowing the industry and how to actually build a tap room in a brewery and a brand from the start, but also having that design experience. So I can kind of play the, the two cards when I'm talking yeah. to clients.
0: Well, you know, there's because uh, I mean, just for our listeners' benefit, we've had a few email exchanges and whatnot, but this is the first time <laughs> I've actually ever really spoken. There are so many similarities between um, <laughs> our businesses and it, what you just said. Because with my background, um, I can relate in so many ways. Obviously, a drummer, um, I played in a band called Strawberry Jacket College, I did all the Website again on Angel Fire, um, logos <laughs> and stuff. And then nice. um, I got into home brewing and then set up my own, you know, it, it very much took what I did with my band, which was like make all the CD inlays and stuff. And then it was like, well, my beer needs a label, you know, and so I made beer labels and stuff. And then ended up in a brewery um, that I worked for um, for several years and was the head brewer and did all the design stuff and rebranded it from within. And now I kind of pretty much what you just said, taken that expertise and put it in um, a business format. So it's, yeah, it, it, uh, the more I talk to people and meet people like self, there's quite a lot of people actually out there who have got mm. similar experiences. Do you, I mean, do you think that's partly maybe just something to do with our generation of, um, you know, g- growing up in an era where the internet was a, a sort of, um, you know, it's in its prime and yeah. you just kind of like got stuck into like the very much a, a, a digital DIY culture In the way that in the seventies, maybe there were punk bands that were, you know, cu- cutting, um, stuff out of newspaper and making a poster, and photocopying it. We're just like a digitized
2: yeah. version of that. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely think so. It's, uh, like you said, that was kind of the, the prime time. The sweet spot for the internet was mm. like in the nineties. The um, it was kind of like up and coming, I guess for lack of a better term. (laughs) And to your your, uh, point, the punk era, like you said, the DIY, like making posters out of cutout things to form the band logo and make the flyer and just kind of like, you know, it's in a way like a startup, you know, it's, I always compare being in a band to being a startup uh, because you're being very scrappy. You're just utilizing all of your resources. Um, and breweries are similar in that sense, right? When you're when you're just getting started, the first couple of years, you're you're reusing some some elements and components and materials to build the brewery, and trying to save some costs, but still, you know, maybe keeping the aesthetic a little bit more rustic, for example, mm-hmm. or you know, still keeping it look nice, but maybe saving some money um, in that sense. So I definitely learned a lot of life lessons being in a band and being scrappy and resourceful and acting like a startup, even before I even knew the term. Startup, you know, yeah, uh, and it's definitely contributed to kind of where I'm at now. Um, being more of like a solo entrepreneur and kind of having my own small business here, it's it's kind of forced you to, especially now in the COVID era of, of having a pandemic, it's forced you, it's forced everyone to look at your expenses. And look at where you're spending your time and money, and see if you can kind of trim the fat anywhere as well. Yeah. Um, but I think that's kind of being in a band, and you know, using the free res- uh, the free website tool and using a free logo font. Uh, you know, those things have kind of like you know helped cut costs and kind of trained me to be as resourceful and uh, effective as possible.
0: Yeah. You know, I always think there's so many similarities between beer and music um absolutely in, in at the time of recording this um it was announced that heineken have bought the other half of the um chairs in brixton brewery so now it's fully owned by heineken and mm. um, It's a little bit when that kind of happens, it's a little bit like in those early days. It's like when, you know, you get an independent band and then, like I said, they, they do the, the sort of scrappy thing and then some people take an interest in them and they grow their own fan base mm. and stuff. But when um, they sign to a major label, obviously there's a lot of yeah. th- heartache and stuff. And you see that it's so paralleled yeah. in the beer industry when a, a global buys out a, a company like that. Mm. But then, you know, the the, the beer industry, um, you know that the brewery or the band becomes a lot more polished and refined, and you, you get that uh, with breweries as well. So I always think yeah. that's super interesting.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I was trying to uh, uh, I was trying to explain the concept of a distribution company to my parents right. the other day, um, and I was comparing it to the same analogy that you just made of mm-hmm. where there's a local band, right, and you're an independent band, and you're just trying to be scrappy and buy your own van and go try to go out on tour and uh, trying to get to that next level of getting recognition, right, getting a booking agent or a management company or you know a record label and getting signed, and uh, that kind of just happened to Chimbereth Brewing where uh, my wife, who is the taproom manager over there actually, was started our distribution program. So she got it up to about 30 different accounts, local and regional. Um, and that helped get us get the recognition to now we signed on with the distribution company. And that's like, we got signed to the major record deal, you mm-hmm. know, like we got signed to the big wigs and they're taking our music and helping to expand the reach. Uh, you know, music as in beer, <laughs> and uh, and they're kind of helping us get to the next level.
0: But, I mean, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Because so I think w- music was such a physical product, you know, you, you had mm. to, like, physically go and buy it from a record store, whereas now it's obviously it's all digital and everything. Um, right. Whereas, obviously, you know, a, a beer, like I'm holding up now, is very much a physical product. And I would imagine, you know, in 2030s time when everyone has a draft line in their house and they can literally <laughs> click a button, yeah. pull the tap and it will pour beer from wherever in the world. A little bit like, I think there is in Belgium somewhere, there's a city that has this kind of thing, you know, with underground huh. taps or something. Look it up if you're listening. Um Maybe I dreamt that I made it up. I'm sure that's a real thing. Um But, you know, it's, yeah, you, you know, it's, it, it physically has to be distributed. And I can see it, when you think of beer as a product, like, you know, the, the way that, and we're going to talk about artwork, which is the main thing we're going to discuss today. But like, you know, the way the artwork works, you know, they're all like when you get a single that's released or an album, you know, that it's a point mm. of interest and the artworks have become points of interest in and of themselves. Um, Yep. So...
2: Yeah, there's a good, there's a cool underground community, just like it is in the music industry of people that collect records and really enjoy that process. I was talking to my wife about this the other day actually, of holding the physical copy, opening up the plastic shrink wrap, looking at whether it's a CD or an album, you know, really absorbing the imagery and the lyrics and the text and how everything's laid out. To me, there's still like a beauty and an art and a craft behind all that. uh, And I really enjoy that process even to this day with records. and the same thing goes with beers there's a whole uh, community of just people that appreciate the art on the beer can or the beer bottle um, besides what the beer tastes if it's actually a good beer or not you know the, there's still a, uh, an attraction there just from a, uh, uh, it's a it's a different medium basically you know and I think that's probably how we both treat it in a sense of you know the the can or the bottle is your canvas you know for to sound a little bit cliche mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you can take it in any direction you know. Um, which I think is to me, the most interesting, um, side of this whole, uh, branding and, uh, can and bottle design yeah. side of the industry, you know? Well, well let, let's, um, let's crack open that conversation.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to crack open this, uh, beer from Round Corner Brewing. So op- opinions on
2: the design. If I do,
0: if I rotate it slowly.
2: Cool. Okay. At first glance, I like it. I, I see some like spot hologram printing going on yeah, as well Yes yeah. in the sea there
0: it's um it's an impossible sea apparently yeah so that's cool okay doing an ipa shall i rotate cool. it back slowly again just one, one more yeah. one more turn
2: mainly because you're doing it at such a great speed i like to i like to see this again okay cool for for, for our listeners this
0: is an enthralling listening. <laughs>
2: yeah so i i should have i should have been describing it the whole time as you were spinning it
0: okay right okay let's try that again shall we so okay right so we got one last uh,
2: turn okay let's go back this side so we'll start with the logo.
0: okay
2: all right so we got the round corner logo uh which is at the top basically you have donkey jacket uh new england ipa at the bottom uh in parallel to that and as he's spinning it it's a it's about a navy blue, maybe royal blue background. Uh, but then the main imagery is this interwoven, uh, really thick letter of the, the C, which I think is maybe some branding component of theirs, or now it is at least. Yep. Um, and one one part of the, the C is yellow. The other has some ho- uh, holographic stripes. Yep. And that leads us to the back of the can that has uh, uncommonly good beer as sort of the swirly text at the top. And it kind of has all the other information about the beer, right? You know, yep. what the beer is, the ABV, uh, all the... The fun legal stuff and you know where is brood and all that good stuff and then the barcode, so kind of a three-panel if you wanted to really dumb it down.
0: Yep. Um, For extra but, bonus points, what font is this? Any, any guesses on the font?
2: Uh, Those M's look pretty familiar. Uh, oh, are you talking about the donkey jacket? Yeah, the donkey. Or donkey jacket, sorry, yeah,
0: the donkey jacket.
2: Uh, Brandon grotesque is my guess.
0: Yeah, I think I I would have said that maybe. um,
2: it's definitely a nice, clean, crisp, modern sensor Yeah, I, I,
0: I was going to say Futura, but I don't think it is. I think maybe Brandon, it, it, yeah, it looks, it does look familiar. Now, I'm, I'm testing myself now.
2: Because, <laughs> yeah, they got those pointy corners. You yes, know. it's the aim. But,
0: but, um, so Brandon
2: Grotesque has some nice rounded corners. Like, it's very crisp and bold, but the, the edges of the points of the letters are very, a uh, little bit more rounded. Um, so you may be right about Futura, actually. That's a good question. Yeah. That's a good test.
0: <laughs> there you go. So, uh, font nerds on, uh, in audio, man, this is enthralling listening for everyone concerned. So, um, I'm going to crack this open and pour this. So while I do, why don't you tell me a little bit about Timbiard brewery, the, the brewery that you're involved with, um, you know, what kind of setup there is there, what, what kind of beers you produce, and that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, it's located in East Brookfield, Massachusetts. Um, So it's about 25 minutes right outside Worcester, which is Central Mass. And uh, it was an old lumberyard. So we kind of kept the the similar uh, style or sound of the name and similar aesthetics as well uh, with the tap room. So uh, the whole property is actually three big warehouses with two residential houses. And we took one of the warehouses and made it into the brew house in the back. And the front of it is our tap room. Um, We have an old 61 Chevy pickup truck that we made into a stage. So the bands and the live music when. You know when that was a thing would play on the bed of the truck and that was kind of kitty-cornered uh and we had a bunch of it's more of a open style like german beer hall kind of just big like picnic tables in a way uh but we have a full kitchen there um we have typically between 10 to 12 different beers on tap um of course we have the new england style ipas we have a double um and then we, we started to get into the more of the pilsners and the lockers. uh our brewer is really known for his sours, so he's been doing some kettle sours as well, which is really nice. Uh, and then we, of course, we have a nice, like, well-balanced uh, chocolate stout mm-hmm. as well uh, for these nice cold winter months that we have here in New England. Uh, but yeah, we got a good variety of beers uh, as well as you know some of the the food specials. We get all of our food locally and organically from different farms around here and stuff. Um, and of course, we had, like I said, we had live music and other things that would happen on the weekends. Um, so my involvement there was that uh. You know, obviously it's a sort of an in-law family type of business. Um, my wife's the taproom manager. My brother-in-law is one of the co-owners with the brewer. Um, and it's basically, you know, a bunch of our close friends and family all got together and uh, helped build this place. So I was helping paint the bathrooms while, you know, designing the logo and having branding meetings with the leadership team there. Mm. Um, and then I kind of, you know, current day uh, will be will be three years this upcoming October, And, uh, you know, I kind of help out with everything between merchandise design, picking the right products, doing the mock-ups, designing them. Uh, to the can labels, so I've designed some of the cans, but also help lay them out for our printer. So if we choose other artists to do the actual artwork, I'll get the artwork from them uh, and help lay that out, make sure get the you know make sure it prints clearly and looks good. Yep. Um, and then you know do event posters and social media graphics. Basically, like I'm the only designer on staff there because we're such a small, again startup kind of scrappy team. Um, so I kind of oversee all of the branding components. Uh, and help out with the, the website uh, with my brother-in-law who helped develop the website as yeah.
0: well. I think one of the important things just for brewers who are listening to this to know is, um, you know, the, the design aspect one thing. But the layout for prints is something completely different. So, I mean, t- taking the round corner, can, you know, the, the way you've got to kind of like um, use spot colors. And I'm probably talking jargon to some people, so I apologize. But the way you've got to use like spot colors and all the rest of it to set something like that up you know um right. it, it, it's it could it, and particularly if it's an intricate design like i did for one of my clients recently you know it's it it's
2: could be really really hard work um so absolutely yeah um and, yeah. It, and a lot of brewers don't really understand the complexity of that mm. and there's a lot of breweries that i've talked to recently that are you know the jack of all trades master of one or two yep. but they think they're the master of all and they're the brewer who tries to do the design and the artwork for the can labels and it's like you know, that's when you got to have the conversation of, you know, you focus at what you're good at and, you know, outsource and hire the professionals like us to help and 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 generate the conversation that could sort of rethink and reimagine what you have, you know, because yep. a, a lot of, a lot of the taproom staff, even, you know, the marketing managers and people like that aren't designers, but they have ideas, but they don't know the technicalities, like you said, the splitting up colors or formatting it in a specific file format or whatever it may be, you know another whole world to
0: that but i guess that's the advantage of like like you and and like me i guess um you know being a designer but also working in the realm of beer is that mm. if you spot something like i do sometimes uh, someone will send me the label and the info and i'll spot something on um their grist bill so let's say it's <laughs> like a milk stout but they've m- not put lactose in there and i'll be like hang on a minute, has got lactose in it? And like, oh gosh, yeah, I forgot about that. I can spot <laughs> that kind of thing or I can spot if the units of alcohol are wrong because I'm like, hang yeah. on a minute, that's that volume. It's a 10% beer and you put 2.5 units. <laughs> that doesn't stack yeah. up. Whereas again, with a lot of designers who don't really know much about beer and, and all those technicalities, they, they, you know, they don't know and why would they mm-hmm. know? Um right. So, so just moving on to talk about um branding more in general then like so can you, can you talk about the evolution of american beer branding like in how you've seen it changed over time and what some of the trends in beer branding because with some of the influencers i follow on social media um you know a lot of them kind of holding up a picture of a can and stuff and they're, they're american I, I noticed the designs are actually quite different from what you get in the uk um, Interesting. I'm not quite sure how to describe how they're different. I just notice a difference. So yeah. I, I'd, I'd love talking to, I've never been to the States, but I'd love to talk to yourself, you know, about how you've seen that evolution of branding change and, and some of the trends you're seeing in beer at mm-hmm. the moment on your side of the, the pond, so to speak.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think it started out more in the classic, um, more commercial side of branding. Uh, I don't wanna say boring, but uh, it was, it had a specific aesthetic to it, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I think that translated into the beers too, back, you know, thinking of all the classic beers um, and the classic brands, um, it was more easy drinking like light loggers or, you know, none of the the trendier type of IPAs that are coming out now. Yep. Uh, and I think the packaging and the branding around those complemented it because it was very uh, timeless and classic in a way. Um, now, I think, you know, with this whole revolution, the craft beer revolution, this boom of craft breweries that are coming out, that just means that there's more can designs, there's more uh, brewery logos, there's more of everything. And I think it's gone, it's completely flipped upside down. <clears throat> and now it's it's a blank canvas. People are are, are rethinking it a lot. Um, and what that should look like, whether it's the logo, whether it's your website, whether it's your can design, um, there's a lot of, there's the whole gamut of designs just um you know in the states here and specifically in the new england region where i live um i've seen you know lots of branding and can designs from super minimal and crisp and clean and modern uh and take the more simplistic approach to the crazy colorful interface uh, uh, very illustrative kind of graphics mm. um you know and there's pros and cons and benefits to both approaches um it's really like from a brand perspective what's the best fit you know um and it's less of the uh, classic, like more conservative type of approach, you know? I think it's definitely shifted into screw it. Let's just do anything we want because every, you know, it's like you said, it's a blank canvas. Let's just try anything. Cause now we're just trying to get their attention, the beer drinkers attention, because it's such an influx and a saturation of breweries, anything goes. So if you're using colors, if you're using shapes, if you're using uh, illustration, if you're using uh, printing techniques, you know, anything to kind of separate yourself I think those all kind of surfaced recently, in say, in the past, you know, five to ten years. Yeah, I mean, it must be really
0: hard for brewers these days, and probably more so for designers who have the task of creating something that really genuinely stands out. I mean, what what yeah. I can think of one beer which I'll, I'll share with you in a sec that um, has really stood out over here but um have you got a beer over the last i don't know two or three years where you, you've seen the can of the bottle and you've been like wow you know it's really caught your attention and, and, and what mm. what was the thing about it that really stood out from all the rest
2: yeah so i guess i can kind of break that into two categories there's one category of a beer that just looks good from a can artwork perspective yep. but maybe the beer doesn't taste good maybe they just have a cool label you right. know and it looks good and it caught my eye at the, at the package store uh, while i was buying beer or at the brewery then there's the the uh, home run we'll call it where the can looks awesome and it caught my eye and I, I was wowed by it and then I crack it open and taste it and the beer was delicious it was perfect in every way and it was it blew me away that's to me that's obviously more ideal um, to me what's kind of I've been I've been saturated with the IPA craze so and I love me a good IPA don't get me wrong don't misunderstand <laughs> this um, especially being in New England I love a good New England IPA um, but. I've, I've taken a step back and really appreciate the uh, simplicity of a really easy drink and lager or a nice Pilsner, for example, yep. you know, and there's something that, that I feel like is potentially getting lost over the years and over time. So um, there was a couple breweries here outside Boston uh, that make a really good uh, lager and just like a nice, easy drinking and beer, um, whether it's the summer or you know winter, like it is now. Um, I appreciate that. And, you know, if there's some Artwork and, and uh, packaging that pairs well with it—that's even better. Um, so yeah, I'd say I'd say you can kind of break it out into those two categories, you know.
0: Yeah, I um, I totally agree with that. Um, I mean, this this beer uh, I'm drinking at the moment so New England IPA. It is really nice. It's very juicy. There's um, probably a bit more bitterness than I would have expected for uh, New England IPA, but I quite, I quite <laughs> welcome that. Um, yeah. But the other beer I cracked open um, was my wife's. Like um, she's been doing homeschooling today, it's just like get me beer. So um, they <laughs> they sent they sent a few beers up to me because I, I know Comby was one of the owners, and um, mm-hmm. it was a um, it was just a Heller's Lager with um, mm. brewed with Fuggles, and um, oh, nice. that oh, was such a, a crisp, nice beer. I'm yeah. starting to wish I'd have swaps, you know. <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> yeah. I said, don't be wrong, it's lovely this, but the other one is like really good. And I, I totally agree with you, you know, you know those um, sometimes less is definitely more. Yeah, um, what, absolutely. What, one of the beers that really stand out for me, although they don't brew it anymore, although I think it's being brought back under a different reiteration, um, but there was a, co- a collaboration between a, a brewery local to me called Buxton Brewery and a brewery called Omnipollo, uh, if you've come across Omnipolo before um and they brewed a beer called yellow belly and it was a, it was a 10% peanut butter imperial stout and they didn't have any oh. peanuts in the grist and yet somehow they managed to get this peanut flavor it was it's an incredible mm. beer they had to stop um selling it actually because another brewery had the trademark on the word yellow belly. So they had to discontinue it, but it came in this bottle that was wrapped in basically a white, um, bit of paper, um, with two eyes and, and then sort of the, the top of it was screwed up. Um, (laughs) so if you Google it and you'll be able to see what I mean, um, but it was just the most incredible, wait oh, wow. yeah okay yeah it's just it. the most incredible way to package a beer I, i've never come across anything like it and yeah. as you know it really captured everyone's attention the fact that it was such an outstanding beer as well just you know made, made that beer a huge success i think everybody was gutted um, yeah. when that beer went away although i say you know it's, it's been reiterated recently in can but I'm, I'm not sure not had the beer yet and it's not not it's not quite the same without the kind of like little sort of ghost type sheathing.
2: yeah that to me is that's again that's sort of the home run right you want (laughs) a really good tasting beer well balanced uh but you also want the packaging to be paired with that you know it's so disappointing when you have such a great tasting beer and then you look at their can and it's just kind of like dialed in or you know nothing really sticks out at you and nothing really grabs you and it's like it's it seems like such a lost opportunity
1: you know
0: yeah totally Coming up on next week's show.
1: A lot of breweries, you have a lot of production experience. You're great at creating recipes, supply chain, like all that stuff. You're all right, right? But when it comes to marketing and sales, you kind of like freeze like a deer because a lot of people don't have a business background.
0: We talked to Julie Rhodes from Not Your Hobby Marketing to discuss how your brewery or beer business can reach more people, sell more beers, and develop a wider customer base.
1: Marketing is hard to measure, right? I mean, how do you measure somebody's brand awareness? It's not like sales in the sense of like, if I buy a pint, you can see that I have purchased a pint and there is a unit of something going out the door. Um, Whereas marketing, if you're influencing me about a certain brand, how can you tell in my brain that i'm like oh yeah i know that brand you can't you have to um put some actions associated with it to figure that stuff out and for a lot of people it's very daunting
0: so make sure you tune in every thursday or hit the subscribe button on apple podcasts spotify podomatic or all other good podcast platforms to make sure you don't miss out and now back to the show So, from a designer's point of view, um, for our listeners, t- take us through the process of branding a particular brewery from start to finish. Like, how do you approach it? How does the concept evolve from the initial concept to something that's mm. rolled out? Once it's rolled out, how does it change and morph, which these things often do? Just like oh, yeah. take me through your process when it comes to all that. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So it starts with a really extensive discovery period. So that could look like you know an in-person meeting, maybe a couple meetings, maybe a couple Zoom calls. Now, uh, but it's basically I ask a, a series of questions to kind of stir the and start the conversation. Um, and it really, you know, I try to roll up my sleeves and, and encompass and engulf myself in the brewery in the business as much as I can, and really. Not even talk about colors or fonts to be used, but really just understanding the goals, the motivations, the inspirations um, from, you know, and that creates a good starting point, basically. Um, And that helps the discussion. It's really me listening and just absorbing everything I can to understand the the business um, in the sense of brewery. So there's lots to look at. Right. you know, the, the branding isn't just, okay, what's the logo going to look like? What, what we're going to have a mark. Is it going to be just a typography based logo? Um, There's so much more that happens way before that, that helps me get to that point eventually. So uh, I'm, I'm sort of collecting all this data in my head and information and I'm categorizing it and sort of making like a mood board in a way, you know, I'm kind of, you know, digesting it in a way um, and then summarizing it. Um, And I'm also reading this back to the, the brewer or the client to have that discussion because i may be misinterpreting things they may want to add in uh, but this helps get their their gears turning as well uh, because they've probably never had these types of conversations if they've never built a, a business from scratch mm. um, so i really like to kind of peel back those layers um you know get our hands dirty and, and kind of get in there um, and get that mood board and get that uh, go down a path, basically, that's all, you know, and it could be a couple different paths, but we want to go down some paths and not just kind of have a blanket discussion, you know, um, from there, once I sort of feel comfortable and kind of get that summarized version of, you know, uh, where where they're at, where they see themselves, their goals, their inspirations, all that fun stuff that we talk about, um, then I kind of dive into some different uh, visual directions. Um, and in my first round, I, tr- I try to keep it, I try to throw everything at the wall, you know, nothing is a bad idea at that point. Yep. So, um, you know, my contract says one thing, maybe I'll add an extra round or two, because I feel like there might be some weight to something. So, you know, I'll put everything on my, my artboard and illustrator is just insane because it's just all these different <laughs> versions and variations, but that's usually what my first round looks like. It's just like a brain dump of everything. And a lot of that time, like 80% of that work probably won't make it to round two, but at least it's out of my brain, you know? Yeah. So I just sit there and go crazy and duplicating and trying new things and iterating And once I can start to build my PDF presentation, which is usually about whatever, five to eight different slides, uh, sometimes even less, if if we got more of like a defined direction with that discovery conversation, um, then I'll start to make my round one presentation basically and start to really um, condense and dissect and dwindle that list down to really strong directions. Um, And I try to create some variety. So one could be a very like crisp, modern, clean, um, you know, minimal kind of approach. And then the other could be a little bit more busy, um, could be a different uh, font style. So one could be sans serif in the modern version. The other could be like a slab serif in this busier version. It could be uh, instead of icon based, we could add uh, something a little bit more detailed illustrated in there, Uh, you know, just kind of create that variation so we can see all the possibilities. Um, The first round is a very iterative process. So I never want to get that like full decision on the calls. I always want them to sleep on that. Um, I always send the PDF after and wait a couple of (laughs) days. And then, you know, they sleep on it. They look at it again. They show their friend, their wife, their husband, whoever. And uh, we get some feedback and work off of round two. And slowly we kind of dwindle that funnel down into from five directions to three directions to maybe two or one direction. And then that one direction we finalize and all of this is being done in black and white. Yep. So I'm never touching color at any point. Um, one of my t- teachers in college, um, said if the logo can look good in black and white, it's going to look amazing in color. Yeah. You know, so you really want that solid foundation of grayscale. black. So and white.
0: you, you, you're doing like even the, um, like label, like coming back to this kind like, you do the whole thing in black and white and then colorize it after.
2: Um, not necessarily, I think just, just from a branding perspective, if if I'm designing their logo, as far as like a new brewery, uh, I'm doing everything in black. If it's a, if it's a can design, I'm hoping that they have some existing brewery, uh, some existing branding, uh, for their brewery, um, that I can take from, um, if not, then obviously we're doing that exercise first, getting a solid brand and then we'll work on the can design, uh, which could complement that obviously. Um, but for branding specifically, the logo is always done just black and white to start. And then the last round before we finalize the logo design is always a round or two of color. And in that round, you know, there could be four or five different color schemes and um, color variations. So there'll always be like a primary color and accent color and, you know, get out the color swatches and you can kind of see them together on the side, but also applied to the logo. Yeah, uh, We can kind of see that nice presentation. Um, but at that point, we've already decided on what the logo is going to look like as far as the mark and the layout of the components um then it's just putting like that final coat of paint basically on the logo to really spice it up yep and then after that we you know we finalize the as all the different file types and all that fun stuff Yep. Uh, but that's the that's the meat and the potatoes of the process yep and
0: what are some of the challenges you find with taking a brewery's existing branding and <laughs> redefining yeah. it and re- I mean because I find that more difficult taking someone's existing brand and modernizing it in some ways because it, sometimes they've got more of a backstory and by mm-hmm. that point so you, you can kind of draw on stuff rather than if it's if it's a new brewery sometimes you kind of like they have a name but yeah. they don't have much of a story so you kind of got to create something with that um right. but you know if you've got a logo <laughs> it's just kind of like uh, i need to work with this what i'm going to do with it i can find that more stressful <laughs> trying to kind of like morph it and shape it and i get there but it seems harder like what's some of the challenges you find when it comes to that kind of thing
2: yeah, that's definitely a struggle that I think all of the designers can relate to. Um, you know, getting a new client and having someone that needs your help with a can design, but they say, All right, here's our logo, and it's you know, it's 72 DPI, it's completely pixelated. They don't have a high-res yeah, version it's or a, it's a JPEG. <laughs> yeah, it, it's got the white background <laughs> yeah. and you gotta trace around it. Um but even at that, even if it's a bad logo, a bad logo is a bad logo. There's only so much um, you know, paint you can put on something to make it look nice. Mm. So you know, I always try to audit that you know if it's a current brewery coming to me I always try to audit what they have what does their website look like because that's part of their brand you know what does their whole encompassing brand look like um, and it, you know it's not really from a sales perspective but if I truly think that I'm not going to be able to add value to them as a service provider with their current logo and their current brand then I'm going to suggest maybe you know hey here's why here's XYZ this is maybe why we should start to have a conversation about, Maybe a rebrand, or at least you know, digitizing what you currently have. You know, like you said, there's a lot of, a lot of legacy breweries out there, or breweries that have been around for a while, and they just maybe don't have a nice vector version of their logo. Sadly, yep. in in 2021, you know, um, that's more of a straightforward project, right? You're just taking something and digitizing it. Um, and I've done those too, but uh, sometimes you might just need to kind of zoom out, scale back, and say, all right in order to have that awesome can that, you know, you came to me and said, Hey, can we do something like this? Maybe, you know, you need to have a solid logo. Um, and the logo that you have now may work for, uh, the website, for example, but we need a version for everything else. You know, it's not as scalable as it could be. So, Mm -hmm. um, I don't try to upsell my clients on too much because I think the conversation will kind of lead you to that where you don't really have to sell them to it. It's going to be obvious based off the direction and where you're kind of going with the goal of the project. But um, I'll first kind of do an audit to see if that's even worth having that type of conversation, and if so, then uh, I'll give you know black and white uh, reasons why there should be a rebrand uh, or a reconsideration. You know, maybe it's like maybe we need to edit some of the colors, uh, or maybe we need to edit some of the um, just cleaning up the fonts. Maybe the the or the kerning is is kind of messed up on some of the logo, like their previous designer didn't consider, um, and it could really just give it that extra. Uh, you know that one quick edit or two could kind of like uh, clean it up and give it that little professional edge. Where now it may look a little sloppy and, and unprofessional. Yeah, you
0: know? I guess it comes back to what again the the whole band thing and the the DIY scrappy thing. You know, where, when you first start out and you, you you maybe get. A mate involved, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, Billy's lad down the pub, we'll do your logo for 50 quid, mate. You know? <laughs> and, um, you know, at the time, that's fine, but it's, you know, sooner or later, you, you've got to, well, you, you wouldn't employ a brewer that's, you know, doesn't know how to brew or it's kind of like, I did some beer kits once, you know, I'll, I'll go, you know, you you get an expert involved and, um, you know, it's, it is, it can be quite a plunge, you know, for people. And, um, which leads me on to my next question. It's like, well, I mean, why do you think it's important to have a really good visual identity? And what would you say to somebody who maybe doesn't see the, the value in good branding to maybe Mm. get to them to maybe see the light and, and, you know, invest the cash. It's not, it's not, spending it you're investing it in something that's really valuable it might not be ta- a brand isn't tangible in lots of ways but it's
2: the most one of the most valuable things you have yeah that's and that's a great way that you put it is it's an investment right uh and that's kind of how i phrase all of my proposals and estimates and everything it's it's an investment it's not a, a price tag you know it's not a one-time thing so you know there's there's one thing to have good beer like you said right you got to be a good brewer and you and brew the best beer that you can but if your can looks ugly and your logo is bad, uh, then you can only make it so far. You know, having the good brand is the core foundation and it. You know, the can design complements that and the branding complements the can design. They all work in this harmonious fashion. But <clears throat> I think that's the struggle that us designers deal with is someone that doesn't understand what even goes into designing a logo, right? But that's, That's an exercise for us from an educational perspective, right? That's part of our job is to not just do the the job, but we need to educate the potential brewery and client of this is what the process looks like. You're gonna be interactive here. You're gonna be an integral part of this. I'm gonna ask you these questions. And in the end, you're gonna have the solidified product. Yes, it's gonna be a digital file, right? At the end of the day, but this is going to generate money for your business because it looks professional. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can go to fiverr.com or any of those other outsourced websites and get yourself uh, a non-professional logo or a pre-made logo, which is even worse, right. And not stand out and it's not scalable. So it kind of separates the breweries and clients that I talked to of how long are you going to, do you want to be in this business for? How long do you want to be in the game for? Because if you want to have, uh, if you want to be in this for the long term and be scalable, from a business standpoint, then you need a logo that can support that. Otherwise, you're gonna be rebranding every two years because someone else has the same logo, or you realize that the, the the student designer that designed your logo put a gradient and that doesn't scale well when you're trying to print it on a shirt or something yeah, like that, yeah. you know? Like all these technical things that, you know, experienced designers like you and I and everyone else that's probably listening to this podcast uh, is, probably, is probably, you know, more experienced with from a technical standpoint, but also from a branding, Um, you know, and it goes along with the aesthetic of it as well. So, um, I think it's less about selling your services to the brewery and say, I'm going to provide you with a logo file. It's we're built, I'm helping, I'm partnering with you. I'm going to be part of your design and marketing team now. And yes, I'm an outside contractor. Right. But now I'm fully engulfed as your partner from this perspective. Uh, and I need to extract everything you have in that brain of yours and put that into a logo form and add my own touch to it as well. You know?
0: I think two things in response to that. Um, One of my clients, who's a good friend, um, has got a brewery uh, down south. And I mean, I've never met him in person, um, but I I very much feel like part of the brewery now, you know, with all the time I've invested in his brand, um, you know, and, and each time he pushes me for something like, I, th- I think with every label design, it can't get more like outrageous than the last one I just did. And then it'll constantly be saying, oh, I've had this idea about, you know, doing this. And I'll be like, that's okay. It has got more outrageous, but you know, it's, it's always a yeah. challenge. But I feel very much vested in it. And in, like, it's like, it's part of, you know, I'm part of that story now. And the mm-hmm. other the other thing I think as well, when as you were talking was um about the story of Brooklyn Brewery, how um when Steve Hindi and you know was um was the co-founder of that, um how they were looking for a designer and I can't remember the name of the design firm, but they approached like the most, like the best design branding firm in New York. And he was trying to get a, just like a 30 second phone conversation with, you know, this really renowned designer and he kept badgering and badgering the secretary and he finally got through and he was like, you know, we're starting this brewery in Brooklyn and and he he managed to get this guy to come up with a logo. And if you think of that logo now, it is so iconic, you know, that that B and the way it sort of swirls. Like if you see that, you know what it is. And Absolutely. I think, you know, the, the, the brand value that that B in, you know, in a, in a, black circle with a green middle and a white B adds to that company's value, you know, is, is massive in the way that, um, the, the Coca-Cola logo adds, I can't remember, I saw how many millions, I can't remember the, the figure, but it was like millions of dollars right. to the company value because of that logo. I mean, it's insane, yeah. isn't it? When you think about it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's crazy when you think of it at that scale, right? Because, um, you know, us designers, I'm sure, like have always compared, yeah, a great logo is, you know, the Adidas three stripes or the, or the Nike swoosh yeah, and yeah. all these, like, and the Apple, you know, all these like iconic brands. And it's taken so long for those businesses to get to that. But you could see a portion of that logo and still know that it's that brand yep. just based off that because it's so recognizable. Um, and of course, a lot of the breweries that I'm sure are working with aren't to that level, right? But like you said, Brooklyn Brewery is like, you can see a circle with that nice cursive, uh, you know, handwritten B in there and know that that's Brooklyn Brewery. Um, you know, same thing to, the, to some of the other higher brands like Sam Adams, for example, yep. you know, or like uh, Allagash uh, and things like that. Those are some of the bigger brands that are very recognizable, but it's taken years for them to get to that point, you know? Mm, yeah. So, I mean...
0: Just following on from that, I mean, tell me your understanding of branding, because I, I do think a lot of people confuse branding with um, just basically something that you see rather than, you know, the visual aspects rather than um, my understanding. It's it's so much more than just what's on a can, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. how someone feels about that particular product and things. So just, I'd, I'd love to know what, um, when you think of branding, what, what does branding mean to you?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, you're exactly right. It's perception. You know it's not necessarily the digital logo file of the logo design yes that is primarily some of your branding but it's it's the taproom experience it's the packaging on your cans it's how you know the font that you use on your bathroom signage it's all those little details that contribute to your brand including how your employees talk to your customers you know Mm -hmm. what the tone of that conversation may look like Uh, the the logo represents that in a digital form right so you know, and some of this is more subjective and fluffy branding conversation, you know, that isn't actually, you know, tangible or, you know, again, like to your point, is you can't say, okay, this logo design has generated $5 million because of X, right? But you want something that represents all of that. So a lot of those questions that I mentioned in my discovery phase are kind of getting some roundabout answers in relation to the, that type of experience. You know, what does your tap room look like? What are you hanging up on the walls in your tap room? And all of that contributes to the overall taproom experience, which is part of your brand. You mm-hmm. know, what are the what are the taproom employees wearing? Is it their is it your logo and branding, or did you just get, give them free reign to wear whatever they want um, within reason, hopefully? <laughs> and you know what what are uh, that's just obviously in a taproom perspective, but talking about bottles and cans, you know, are you kind of just dialing it in and kind of staying more conservative with it uh, and sticking to you know the common components of the logos in a specific spot, like the others, um, it's, it's all different approaches. You know, if someone wants to stick out, um, you know, and be a little bit more unique with their brand, but they're referencing a lot of the more corporate conservative brands, then there's, there's a little bit of a mismatch because you're going to have to kind of meet in the middle, right. Or have the conversations. Why? Um, Not to say that, either is right or wrong, you know? Again, it's it's a preference, but um, having those types of healthy conversations kind of lead you down certain paths. Um, and I think branding kind of can encompass all of that, um, where the logo design is, yes, your logo, it's your representation of your brand, but that's just one piece of the puzzle, you know?
0: I mean, it really is the pinnacle of the iceberg, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, It's because um, y- y- if you go really to the depths, it's becomes so intangible. That, yeah. um you know you can't really quantify it because it again it, it's an emotion it's and a lot of the time for that person they can't even put it into words you know you, yeah. the way that you might be stood looking at some beers on a shelf and you think which beer we're we gonna have and you see yeah. one and in a split second like your brain just does so much <laughs> you know yeah. and you get into all the neurological science and all the rest of it but you make a you make a impulsive decision based upon probably thousands, if not millions, of little factors. Yeah. You know. And so, I mean, it's really hard to to if you if you're a, a brewery trying to break into a market with a new brand, you know, when you're up against all these, you know, tried and trusted brands or or at least brands that people are familiar with and you're here being like, Hey, check us out. We make the best beer ever. Look at our nice can, you know, it's so difficult. Oh, I mean, I'd love to know, where do you see um, both beer design heading over the next few years and, and where do you see craft beer in America heading?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I kind of see it in two different directions. Um, and it, this is just from my observation here in central Massachusetts and in the New England area, uh, going to, to liquor stores and package stores, seeing the shelves there and also seeing what breweries are around me. Um, that's sort of two directions. One is the, like the overly illustrated bright colors in your face. Uh, we're going to get you just by walking by the aisle, it's going to pop out at you. Right. So they're going for the wow factor there. Um, and then the other approach is the exact opposite of that. It's going super minimal and clean, but bold in a simplistic fashion. Right. So it could be, uh, using lots of uh, branding colors. So nice pops of color to differentiate it on a, on a can label. Um, it could be specific shapes, like geometric shapes within those colors or whatever, just different components uh, to kind of give it that simplistic look, but not, not overly complicating it. Um, so, you know, the message is kind of diluted, you know, and that's kind of the ha- that happy balance that we're trying to reach here. Mm. Right. You don't want to, you don't want to go too crazy because then everyone's going, to, What's, what is the name of this beer even? I can't even read it, you know, uh, or what brewery is this? The logo is in the back and it's small, you know, half an inch at the very <laughs> bottom, but there's like a bright purple in the background. And it's like, you, you don't even know what you're reading. Uh, so you just failed at doing the job of design is communication. You know, you're trying to communicate something, whether it's in a logo, like you said, for the feeling and the emotion that you get by looking at the logo, or when you're holding a can, uh, what are you communicating there? Can you read the label, you know, at the literal sense? Can you see what you're actually holding? Um, and then, what is the feeling that you're getting by looking at that? Are you interested in buying it because of, because of the description? Do you really like the artwork? I mean, that's in your creative person, and you might be an artist and you appreciate that. You, I mean, personally, I gravitate towards mere, more more uh, artwork friendly mm-hmm. beers when I'm looking at the shelves. Um, they definitely catch my eye, but my design style my aesthetic when I'm actually designing is not like that. I really uh, I'm jealous and and envious of people that can draw and illustrate and and have these detailed illustrations because that's not my style and I can't do that. Um, And I excel in my know where I'm good at. But so I love things that are similar to my sense because I'm inspired by that in a clean, minimal, bold, impactful sense. But I also have uh, another side of respect for that in your face, yet tasteful. Uh, approach as well.
0: Yeah. And what do you see craft beer as a category heading in the States? I mean, particularly with um, the pandemic and everything. So, I mean, I, I'm pretty mm. sure it's probably changed the way the beer industry works over there as it has <laughs> over here in the UK.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, on uh, one, people are drinking more. People are definitely drinking more beer uh, because, or maybe not because of the pandemic, but I think it's definitely helped. People are at home more, you know, and they want to yep. drink beer and, and chill out. Uh, I think more than ever. And I think it's going to, you know, we've kind of gone through the ebb and flows of the industry, right? There's, um, you know, we, we had this kind of like New England IPA and these like cereal milkshake IPAs and like all these like fruity, uh, like crazy, in a way, almost gimmicky. And I'm not, you know, not bad-mouthing any of the breweries that do that because there are some delicious beers. Um, Personally, it's not my thing. And like I said, I'm a huge New England IPA fan, but I think that it's going to be sort of going into that more lighter, easy drinking classic and timeless beers like lagers and Pilsners and uh, some, even some fruited sours. I think, you know, I think they're very underrated. I think that a lot of people overlook sours uh, but there's a way to tastefully do it and, and have a well-balanced sour, you know? Um, And I feel like it's a missed opportunity for a lot of breweries. Um, You know, obviously there's other factors that go into me saying that, but, um, but I think it's, it's, I think the trend of these, you know, milkshake and New England IPAs, all the the, the lactose and the everything, like this trend, you know, yep. is going to just go, okay, hold on, everyone stop. Let's just go back to like a clear beer. <laughs> Let's go back to an easy drink and light beer.
0: Yeah, I can't, wait, bold for the, statement. I can't wait for the lactose trend to end, you know, uh, it's like, yeah. just give me a stout, That's a stout. Okay, yeah. I, you know, I, I love Imperial Stouts. They're my favourite beer <laughs> type of all yep. the styles of beer. Um, yeah. But, I, you know it does, does it really need all the pecans does it need waffles in there just give me the, just give me the damn stout
2: <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i i'd like to think that like if you're a brewery you should be able to do you know the four or five like staple styles of beer very well you know yep. you should be able to get a light beer in there like a lager pilsener. you should be able to do an ipa You should be able to do a stout uh maybe some sort of sour um you know there's so many styles of beer right yep. but there should be like a core foundation that you should be able to have, if you're offering 10 beers, you should have at least three to five of those be your, not flagship, but your substantial solid beers yep. that you're proud of, you know, that best represent that. Mm.
0: It's interesting the beer styles you just referenced because here in the UK, uh, best bitters are making, and the SBs are making a comeback you know and for a long time it was like oh best bitters twiggy beers fuggles goldings yeah whatever you know have your moss and all the rest yeah. of it go lick some grass um, but now you know all of a sudden it's like everyone's brewing an ESB and a best bitter and oh best bitters you know like I, I love a best bitter you know I, I grew up drinking those kind of beers you know I remember yeah. like uh, a brewery called Stones um, or, or Wards which were based in the city that I live in Sheffield Wards Bitter um, you know and and I loved being underage on the school field playing football with my mates <laughs> drinking a cheeky can of it, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting how, um, yeah, the, the beer styles you referenced, you know, um, yeah.
2: over there. So, yeah, I, I wish we could do like a beer trade or something. I'd love to to get my hands on some of the beers that you were talking about. And oh, obviously likewise. I would send you some, Yeah. You know, yeah. I wish it was easier to, to get that type of stuff. out right here.
0: Yeah. Likewise. Um, <laughs> cool. So well, thanks for being on the show today, Marcus. Uh, it's been really interesting talking to another designer. Um, and somebody that also works closely with the brewery as well. Um, can you give us a heads up where people can find you? Maybe they want to, um, you know, work with you, do some design work
2: in the States and stuff. So, um, how can people find out more about you? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, craft dot marketing is the website address. So that's kind of my landing page. Uh, We have a craft beer community on Facebook called Craft Beer Marketing. Uh, So feel free to join that. Um, There's a link if you need any design services. I have a whole landing page there to tell you a little bit more about uh, the case study that I did with Timberyard Brewing, as well as any other design services. So uh, craftbeer.marketing is the uh, portal for everything me. Happy days, Bill. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate
0: it. Well, it's that time again at the bar for another week of the Hot 4 podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify and all other good platforms. Be sure to visit hotforward.beer to find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. We make your beer look as good as it tastes and we help you brew up a better business through branding, marketing and consultancy. Remember to follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers and for another week. Cheers.
1: to